my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project UP, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. get right to it because today we have Scott Fish on the Mind of Mansion program. It's very exciting. The Scott Fish Bowl is upon us and this man loves coming on this show. We're very blessed to have him so I want to get right to him. But before we talk to Scott, I want to talk about a couple other players that are rising up boards for all the right reasons. We've already talked about Jalen Tolbert. Continues to skyrocket. I drafted him at the 203 in Superflex. A third-round wide receiver at the 203 in Superflex. That's not normal. But this is Jalen Tolbert we're talking about here. And we've laid out why Jalen Tolbert's such a smash with Michael Gallup headed to the pup. And Tolbert, perhaps the most polished wide receiver in this class. A plug-and-play producer as of week one for what will be a prolific Dallas Cowboys offense. We'll talk to Scott Fish about Jalen Tolbert. Quick check on Caesar Sportsbook. Code PODFATHER15 because you get $1,500 in first bet insurance. That's why the code is PODFATHER15. The odds on Jalen Tolbert to win Rookie of the Year are now plus 3,500. To put it in context, Sam Howell's plus 2,500. Damian Pierce is plus 2,800. Isaiah Spiller's plus 3,000. Come on now. I'm not saying most Rookie of the Year futures bets are good bets. They're not. But if you're going to make one, the best one is Jalen Tolbert. Just like MVP bets. Most futures MVP bets are not great values. If you're going to make one, I'm here to tell you it should be Kirk Cousins. Underdog birthed another puppy. It's so cute. It's a cute little puppy. And this is my favorite puppy of all the little puppies because this puppy is super flex. And in Superflex Leagues, just like the Scott Fishbowl, the one position that you can punt is wide receiver. My most common start in Superflex Leagues, and this includes the Scott Fishbowl, is quarterback, running back, and that just so happens to be how last year's Scott Fishbowl champion started his draft. And especially in the puppy, because it's best ball, and you want three quality quarterbacks in the Superflex puppy. If you draft Kirk Cousins before you draft a wide receiver, you're probably doing it right. We've crunched the numbers, and you can push wide receiver out to round six, seven, rostering two running backs and three quarterbacks before you even draft your first wide receiver. It feels weird to do that. Go ahead and do it. So Underdog Fantasy, promo code UNDERWORLD. Underdog Fantasy, promo code UNDERWORLD. Deposit 100 you get an extra 100 That's $200. That's... 40 puppies. 40. You, you like cute little puppies? How about 40? If you're in this audience, you have not tried Underdog yet, go to your app store, type in Underdog, get the app, use the promo code Underworld, and play in multiple puppies. You can go Hero RB and Hero QB 
and wait on wide receiver. You could even sneak a tight end in there and draft your first wide receiver in round eight. And then you just go wide receiver, wide receiver, and you just keep hitting that wide receiver button. The math says that is one of the signature optimal roster constructions for Superflex leagues. That's the Superflex puppy. That's also the Scott Fishbowl. We'll talk to Scott Fish himself about optimal roster construction for the league he invented in the scoring system that he created. We'll also talk about a veteran wide receiver that I'm falling more and more and more and more in love with. I'm to the point where I'm putting a feeler on Cortland Sutton to lead the NFL in receiving yards. On Caesar Sportsbook, code PODFATHER15, his odds are better than Jerry Judy. His odds are better than Amari Cooper. His odds are better than even Christian McCaffrey. Think about that for a second. He has the same odds as Christian Kirk and Devontae Smith. Cortland Sutton has the alpha profile with the alpha quarterback to actually be the league leader. In the last two healthy seasons, he went over 1,500 air yards in both years, and DK Metcalf... Russell Wilson's former alpha, who is closely comparable to Cortland Sutton, had a 1,300-yard season not long ago. It's one of the easier long-shot futures bets that you can actually get your head around. If you make a ton of futures bets, your expected value is not that high. But if you just want to dabble, you want to get some futures action, and I highly recommend that on Caesar Sportsbook, it's got to be Cortland Sutton to lead the league in receiving yards. He has the alpha profile. He has the air yard profile. He has the quarterback. He's in a division where you have shootouts every week in the AFC West. And I was pleased to see that he was a big mover on prediction strike. So we told you weeks ago to get Cortland Sutton on prediction strike. Sure enough, he's the big mover. Now, I think that a lot of people on prediction strike listen to this show. <laughs> Promo code Underworld on prediction strike. When you sign up and deposit $20, you get a free player share. It could be Cortland Sutton. It could also be Jerry Judy. She, Jerry Judy didn't do anything to me. He did nothing. He, he might be a perfectly nice man. Never met him. And yet, don't like him. Don't like the Alabama helmet. Don't like beta receivers getting drafted in the first round. Don't like players that deliver the bare minimum on their potential. And what was his potential, really? Not that big. Not that athletic. Not that dominant in college. Really? I mean, you, you really, you're buying the helmet all along. Sell Judy on Prediction Strike. You buy Cortland Sutton on Prediction Strike. It's one of the best mobile apps in all of fantasy. Go to the App Store, get Prediction Strike, promo code Underworld, deposit 20 bucks, and you're in business. I mean, Cortland Sutton's odds to lead the league in receiving yards are the same as George Kittle. <laughs> what? What are we talking about? Oh, he's moving up the Dynasty Rankings on PlayerProfiler.com. And I just, I, I have no doubt that he's going to greatly surpassed Jerry Judy, even though their splits last year, they both played. Judy was more productive, especially early in the season when Cortland Sutton was still getting back into shape, still developing confidence in the knee. He's 100%. He's fully online. We're going to see a different Cortland Sutton this year. And I would like nothing better than Tim Patrick to outscore Jerry Judy. The only two Broncos I'm not drafting are Javante Williams, because his ADP has been crazy all year, and Jerry Judy. Because the arbitrage play on Judy is Tim Patrick. Judy and Cortland Sutton are not comparable. And we'll ask Scott Fish about this. Enough already. It's time to go talk to Scott Fish. I can't wait. This is his Michael Jordan flu game. Put your hands together for Scott Fish. Be sure to follow him at ScottFish24 on Twitter. 
We're here with Scott Fish. This is amazing. This is the best possible timing. The Scott Fish Bowl right around the corner, and he's joining us, and he's not well. We're looking at a possible uh, Michael Jordan flu game podcast from Scott Fish. How are you feeling, <laughs> buddy? Talk to us. Uh, I'm feeling uh, pretty lethargic. I uh, got the whole family tested positive for COVID on Thursday. My symptoms showed up on Sunday. So, uh, But I'm here, man. I'm here with you. We're going to talk some, talk some football. I'm excited for it. I'm honored, man. I'm honored that you would be on the show to begin with, and then to be on when you're not feeling well is just. Uh, I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm very grateful. Can't miss this show. It's a big. It's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. It's we a do. Big deal. Well, it's also a tradition. We've been yes. doing this show at this time for many years now. Many years. And we, we have a lot of the, the same uh, the topics that we we go back to, and the and, and the answers change every year, which is great. And last year we talked about a, a trade that we did, a big trade that we did in a dynasty league that we're in together. We're in one of these best ball dynasty leagues where we can do the rookie draft and we do a, a veteran draft at the end of camp and that's it. It's best ball and then we just we, we let it play out. It's you, it's me, it's JJ, Matthew Barry, a, a bunch of other uh, dynasty industry guys, Ryan McDowell, yep. Lord Reeves bunch of our friends and you and i did a big trade if you remember i do i traded you jimmy garoppolo joe mixon gabriel davis jalen rager logan thomas because i'm in rebuild mode productive struggle mode this was my year 2022 was the year i targeted i circled to compete you wanted to compete last year so i sent you a quarterback and a stud running back and and who ended up being a, a breakout wide receiver and gabriel davis you sent me Deshaun Watson, Tony Pollard, Tyler Johnson, a bunch of picks. One of them ended up being Nico Collins. One of them ended up being uh, Brevin Jordan. And then uh, I also got your second rounder this year, and I'm about to draft that guy soon. So the, we're in the, the rookie draft as we speak. And uh, how did it turn out? Did you win last year? I came in second. Oh. Uh, I, I was making a run right up until the end. I uh, I thought I thought I had a chance, but Reeves Reeves ended up winning it. But how did that happen? I look at these two teams. Your team. I mean, I think Rich would agree with this. If we had Rich on the show, he would agree. Your team looks superior. Yeah, it's my my team looks pretty set from top to bottom. I think Antonio Gibson had some weeks where he just kind of fell off. Um, I don't know. I don't think my team's super deep, but I think the starters are some of the best in the league. Uh, yeah, you have a great team. I paid for three years of that league with, by getting second, though. So, like, how can I complain? You know, that's that trade landed. I just didn't win the league. The trade landed, and we don't know what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo. He could end up being the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. You know, yeah. you don't know. Sure. And now you were like, hey, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. This stinks. This whole situation stinks. I'm out. And then it turns out well, I, he may not play even this year. So I may have to, 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 to fall back and say, okay, well, maybe I'll compete. Maybe, maybe I'll compete in, in 2023. Fortunately, I do have Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones and Tua Tungavailoa. Tua got this big weaponry upgrade, thank God. Because I, I was trying to trade him before they acquired Tyreek Hill, and I couldn't get anyone to sniff Tua. Yeah, I, I, I believe it. I believe it. And I, 
I would believe right now after uh, getting Hill, you've probably had some offers on Tua potentially during this draft. Not yet. This is a very savvy league, man. This is a very savvy league. I just don't think anyone is bought in. I mean, are you bought in now? Are you rebought in on Tua or are you like, I'm not going to get fooled? Not to the extent. I'm a little bit bought in. I'm just not to the extent that I would I would trade for him for, for what I have. Do you remember in that league that for a year and a half I thought it was tight end premium? Oh, I did too. You were the I did too. <laughs> like drafting Brevin Jordan, I had already had Dawson Knox and Alberto and Dalton Schultz and Adam Troutman and Jonu Smith. I'm like, I can't get enough tight ends. It's tight end premium. And then at some point, Ryan McDowell goes, hey, you know, Matt, uh, you know it's not tight end premium, right? And I was like, right. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – like not to the level of your guys, but I drafted Kittle and Logan Thomas and Noah Fant, and like I was, I was going on the same boat. I thought it was tied up premium. Yeah, you had Fant and you had Kittle. You're like, yeah, this is good. And I'm like, what's cool about the format is it's super flex, and then it's you start one running back, you start one wide receiver, one tight end, and then it's all flex positions. So like five flex positions and one super flex position. So you really don't need many tight ends. You don't need many running backs. You really just want to load up on wide receiver. Absolutely. That's that's the way to do it. That's not the way I started, though. Well, you started doing it, though. You did this trade where you, you got Gabriel Davis, and, and you started to load up on wide receiver. In the rookie draft, I went Chris Olave at the beginning. You know, as early as you're going to see Chris Olave going at the 103, when you saw me go Chris Olave... Was that a head scratcher or were you like, okay, that makes sense. I see this. I I don't scratch my head to the first five or so picks in this year's class. Um, I People have their guy and if it's a lave, it's a lave. Um, I, I had been more of a Burks guy. Uh, you know, that's – I feel like he he had the safest him in London had the safest floors for me and Jameis Williams Jameson Williams had the highest ceiling, uh, but I'm absolutely fine with Olave. I like Olave a lot. I'm I'm starting to get really bullish on Olave. I'm starting to think yeah. that he's going to be the starting wide receiver, not only in two receiver sets, but the primary option. Yeah, and you know the primary option is a big deal in year one, and all we've heard are challenges from Traylon Burks. And Traylon Burks, remember, he was the sixth receiver drafted. Yeah, I'm, I've am i been frustrated with this camp season for, for Burks and all the news that came out. He can't breathe, Scott. Yeah. He yeah. can't breathe. I feel like cardiovascular fitness and ability is a big deal at the highest level of athletics. I kind of feel like that's a big deal. See, I didn't notice any of that watching like his film, like, but if that's like, going to be a thing now, I'm hearing that. Oh, it's 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 because you know in college their spring practices happen so early that it's before pollen season, and then when they report to camp later in the summer, it's post pollen season. He's never actually had to go through camp during pollen season. Interesting. I had not heard that. That is interesting. That's so. Let's hope this is past him by later in the year. So clearly, I'm not buying it. <laughs> I'm not buying that load of bull. You know what I mean? A pollen really pollen season? Is that what we're doing? It seems like it. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Chris Olave. He was drafted earlier. He was completely epic, especially the year prior. Like he was on pace 
seven games in 2020 for a truly epic season. I think he could have come out early, should have come out early perhaps, but he wanted to graduate with a bunch of his friends that were staying for a final year at Ohio State. They wanted to make a run together. So I'm rationalizing you know, him staying all four years because of the COVID season prior. I think if that 2020 season had not been shortened, I think Chris Olave comes out early and he doesn't have that that scarlet letter that he was a you know four year player. Yeah, I, I can absolutely see that. I do you how do you feel about Michael Thomas long term? You think he's out of New Orleans in a year? Is that also the Kamara situation? Are you thinking that offense just goes super pass heavy? I don't know what they're gonna do, man. All I know is okay. So let me get this straight. Kamara is trending toward being suspended six games. Michael Thomas has yet to be cleared. Okay, he's yet to be cleared, and now we're going on two years where he hasn't played football. And the videos he's releasing aren't even impressive. Special, yeah. Right, I'm not. <laughs> it's not like easing concerns with these videos. It's like, hey, man, maybe you should put the video camera away for a while. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not post these videos. Maybe they're not doing you any favors. You're not swaying anybody with this. So now I'm thinking, wait a second, this guy, this guy could be the clear number one in the Jameis Winston offense. Now, it's not the Sean Payton offense. Sean Payton's not there. And it's not like no one can claim that Dennis Allen is an upgrade, right, in terms of the coaching. But it could be true that Dennis Allen, maybe maybe he cedes control of the offense more to Winston than Sean Payton did. Maybe Sean Payton was, was a control freak because he wanted efficiency and dialed back the pass attempts because it was a low-volume offense last year. It's possible that the play calling may be less creative, but that they cede more control to Winston. And then Winston, if he has the controls, he's going to want to throw more. Right. Yeah. And he, and he's not afraid to sling it. I think a lot of had something like 20, somewhere around 20, 20 plays over 20 yards, you know, his final season or whatever. Like it's yeah, it, it's perfect fit for what Winston does. And he's having the best camp. Has anyone had a better camp? Have you heard yeah. more positive reviews from a training camp than Chris Olave? It's con- it's constant, constant positivity coming out of that. Yeah. It's just so I think that you, you incrementally move players up as just positive reports, positive news comes out, and situations continue to enhance around them, and everything around Burks is getting more and more and more concerning. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh it's a steady drumbeat theory, right? The the Matt Harmon thing where if you are consistently hearing a steady positive drumbeat, either one way or the other, all off season, you really gotta take notice of it. So I'm in. I'm in. I know that hey, listen, I get it. He's not a perfect prospect. He, yards after the catch, not a strength. Right? I get it. Like he, he he's been a catch and fall down wide receiver in his college career. Understood. We'll see what happens. We're going to see what happens in the NFL. My guess is he's probably not a complete and utter failure after the catch at the NFL level. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay, he, what, what, maybe he's uh, Calvin Ridley after the catch. That's not bad. No. No, and if he's the number one wide receiver in that offense, I mean, it's, it's, it'll end up being a steal. We had the same discussion last year about how you felt about Mac Jones t- taking him so early in this same draft, and he turned out perfect. For a Superflex League. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. So there were eyebrows raised when I went Mac Jones over Zach Wilson. 
yep. how we looking now, yep. how we looking now. Eyebrows yep. raised with Olave over Burks and Wilson, and it, it, th- there shouldn't be any any eyebrows raised over the Olave over Wilson. They're the same guy. They're the closest comparable players that we have in the database. Same size, same athleticism, same exact production profiles. It, it, right down to like the tenth of a percentage of their target share. Yeah, the those yeah those two there should be no raised eyes. I don't I, like I started. I don't I don't raise eyes with anybody having their preference of those top five or so wide receivers. I was happy that you know JJ made me very happy because I was afraid he was going to go Jalen Tolbert at the two hundred two. Uh huh. And then he went David Bell. So I, I smashed Jalen Tolbert because of the format. Yes. Right. If this was start more than one running back, then I probably would have gone. I don't know Rashad White. Yeah. But, I mean, we have Rashad White rated higher in Dynasty on Player Profiler, but that's assuming you, know, you start two running backs, you start two or three wide receivers. But if you're only starting one wide receiver, one running back, one tight end, and you're trying to start two quarterbacks, I'd rather have Jalen Tolbert, who is also teed up this year. Like, I'm, I mean, I'm going for it this year. I'm, I'm, is it okay? Is it okay to go for it? Am, am I, I'm sick of rebuilding. Is that okay? Yeah, it's absolutely okay. Just just stay one spot behind me, and I'm I'm absolutely fine with it. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. Go for it. Fournette signed a, a three year deal, which is essentially a two year deal because they can get out after yeah. 2023 with, without much dead cap. It's really he signed a two year deal to be with Brady in Tampa. If I took Rashad White, I'd be drafting him specifically for those games that. Leonard Fournette misses, assuming that White gets the majority of the touches over Keyshawn Vaughn, and that's not even guaranteed. Now, I did read up on Rashad White, though. I mean, this guy has had an incredible route to the NFL. Whenever a guy comes in at age 23, at first I'm like, oh, man, he's old. That's a bummer. But you have to do your research. You look at the background. Why did it take Rashad White so long to get to the NFL? Well, he took a circuitous route to even get to... Arizona State, and he talks about how he had to take side jobs in order to pay his rent for community college when he moved to California because you know the the, the neighborhood he grew up in was just it was not conducive uh, to him taking it to the next level with his career. So he got out of there. I think he grew up somewhere uh, either Missouri or Kansas, and he said, "You know what? I'm going to California. I want to be on my own." and just focus exclusively all my attention on the art of playing football. And he did that. And he's taken all these side jobs just to to Man. to pay to pay his rent. That's tough not to love. <laughs> to go play in community college. And like he he just joins this community college team and, and he has no recruiting background. So he's just one of like twenty running backs that they were auditioning for the community college team. So then he had to go beat out everybody and become the starter in community college. Then he had to go put, put out a resume, especially in year two of community college and the ability to transfer to a division one team. And he did, but that, that whole time years are going by, man. That's why he ended up being age 23, but he ended up catching more than 40 passes for a major conference program when it was all said and done in a single season. That's that. That's a pretty incredibly awesome story. I I did not know all of that. That's that's really really cool. <laughs> Juxtaposed next to uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, who last year skipped minicamp 
altogether, even though he could have been practicing with Tom Brady. So let me get this straight. Tom Brady didn't skip minicamp. Fournette didn't skip minicamp. Mike Evans didn't skip minicamp. But rookie Keyshawn Vaughn felt entitled to skip minicamp. I thought that was crazy. Yeah, that's unreal. So I'm like, okay, I'm now putting these two players together. Who do you think is going to rise up and seize that number two job? Yeah, the guy that puts in the work. And you can't just assume, oh, you know, uh, coach speak. No, it's not just the coach is going to talk about how hardworking these guys are regardless. But if there are like write-ups in Sports Illustrated about this guy's path, right, then that's something that is interesting to me. That's something I'm going to I'm going to actually factor in when I'm valuing these players. Yep, definitely. And I'm not sorry. I, I, that has to go into it. Yep. No, absolutely. It, it does. The the character of the guy, the work ethic, the, the what they've been through, it it all adds up. It's all that intangibles that that you know make two similar players. You know, one's going to stand out, or you know, two similarly ranked players, I should say. And the drumbeat is the same. The coach speak is the same around Jalen Tolbert. Now, there's no like featured piece in Sports Illustrated on Jalen Tolbert that I could find. But from what I'm hearing about Jalen Tolbert, this guy is also one of the hardest workers among this rookie class. And it's a pretty incredible situation that he's found himself in. He was one of the four guys I was looking at at my pick. Oh, yeah? Tolbert was, yep. The the four wide receivers right there. After James Cook went to Silva and... Oh, I know, Silva. Damn it. I was taking James Cook. That was my pick there. Uh, My running backs... I mean, it's Mixon and Gibson, and then I don't even know that I have another starter. You know, like I'm, it was going to be James Cook was the pick, um, but yeah, I was I was after four wide receivers. One of them was Tolbert at that point, but ended up ended up going with Pickens. Talk to us about why Pickens? Why Pickens over Christian Watson? Why Pickens over Jahan Dotson? Yeah, so the Watson one isn't actually the Watson one for me is I think he's one of the bigger gambles out there. He could be a wide receiver one. He could end up being the top receiver for green Bay, or he could completely bust. Like he should have been, he was a complete athletic freak that, you know, did well, but like he should have been better at, at the level he played at. Um, and for to Jahan Dotson, honestly, I looked at my team and I'm, I'm like, I got McKissick and Gibson and Samuel and Logan Thomas. And I'm like, do I want to invest five spots on the, on the Washington commanders? So, um, I, I actually have Pickens ranked, you know, right. Like basically that exact order right there. Uh, for me, I just Pickens watching him before the injury. I thought he was awesome. Um, uh, my, my son also told me to take Pickens. He loves, he loved watching Pickens, my nine year old son. Um, plus, Deontay Johnson, possibly last year. Chase Claypool still calling himself a top three wide receiver. Seems to he hasn't lost those maturity issues, honestly, if he's uh, saying that. Like I'm not even sure he's the a top three receiver on the if you're counting running backs and tight ends on the Steelers. Like Fryer Najee, I mean, like Deontay, like you might not even be top three on your team at receiving the ball if you include other positions. I mean, Pickens has the intensity, man. Pickens is uh apparently like uh, there were concerns that he was too intense <laughs> in the interview process. Like there were some teams like, man, I don't know. This guy's he's he's creeping us out. Like he he's just staring us down. You're like, wait, wait, listen, listen, dude. We're coaches. We're not defensive backs. Like this is a safe space, George. Like it's okay. <laughs> you know, like you you can turn it off right now. He won't turn it off. Apparently. 
The thing with George Pickens is he won't turn it off. And I kind of yeah. like that. Yeah, that's not a bad thing. I kind of, again, I, I kind of like that. I like that I'm going to travel across the country and go this on my own. I like that attitude. And I also like the attitude of uh, I'm never going to turn it off. That's like a method actor. Yes. Yeah, exactly like a method actor. I and But he's not acting. He's just all in. <laughs> like there will be blood. You know, it is like, like, hey, dude, listen, you don't have to be the oil prospector today. We have a day off from shooting, right? And it's like, ah, it's like, hey, you can turn it off, Daniel Day Lewis, <laughs> right? So maybe, maybe George Pickens is the Daniel Day Lewis of fantasy wide receivers. It, it, it doesn't hurt that uh, George Pickens, and I know there's no relation. I won many a fantasy football championship in the 90s with Carl Pickens on my team. So, like, just having a Pickens on the roster once again, I know no relation. But No relation. No relation. And he was a five-star recruit. So, no one, right? No one would have been surprised if he had a healthy season for a team competing for a national championship and he was the first wide receiver drafted. Like, no one would have been surprised if that was the outcome for George Pickens this year. Yep. And it just so happens that, you know, for whatever reason, medicals and, you know, the the the, the interview process where they're, they're questioning his mentals. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah, he's the guy's crazy in the best possible way. You should want that on your team. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You don't want Claypool uh, just goofing around, right? Come on, man. Delusional top five. Like, I, I, I'd be surprised if George Pickens even answers that question. <laughs> right like a reporter goes hey where would you rank yourself in terms of you know wide receivers around the nfl where do you rank and i think you just stare him down and be like <laughs> you're like george seriously uh, uh, it's just a hypothetical question george uh, you don't have to answer it if you don't want <laughs> just keep staring you know it's like well, maybe we'll, we'll be top 20 Right, maybe he's the top, top fifteen. Right, I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I like that. This is how I play out scenarios with George Pickens. But in the film room, I can see him also being very quiet. But then out of nowhere, just like speaking up and being like, "Oh yeah, the safety's going to come down here. I'm going to, I'm going to run the hitch, and then I'm gonna, and I'm going to be gone." It's like, oh, oh, hey, George. <laughs> uh, yes, that would be the exact right thing to do. <laughs> You're, that is right. Uh, he's you know, he's processing everything. He totally gets it. So yeah, George Pickens is the upside play. I just think that George Pickens longer term for Dynasty, because in a vacuum, he, he does have that talent profile that no one was like, hey, Christian Watson could be the number one wide receiver for this class. No one was thinking that, and, and nor would you. Because Watson and Alec Pierce have that Dante Moncrief profile where it's like these guys were not maxing out their athletic gifts during their careers. And you can tell some story about why it is. Oh, there were so many weapons at Cincinnati or it was a run first offense at North Dakota State. But the fact remains, right? The fact remains that these were the guys, unlike Jalen Tolbert, that did not fully express their athleticism on the field where Jalen Tolbert's like, what if I put up like a 51% dominator rating? It's like, it's not possible to do more than that at a small school. 
right? Like Vincent Jackson level production at a small school. Like Vincent Jackson's like 60% dominator. Is that what I have to do at a small school to justify this athleticism and this size adjusted dominance? Yeah. Yeah, actually. Yeah, that's what you got to do. And that's actually what Jalen Tolbert did do. And then he did the same at the Senior Bowl where he was the undisputed alpha at the Senior Bowl. So this is what I don't understand. They send all these scouts to the Senior Bowl, Scott, and they're writing furiously in these notepads and and they're, they're, they're hiring all these analytics guys, right, only to draft Alec fucking Pierce <laughs> before Jalen Tolbert, a round before. It makes no sense. Did you go to the Senior Bowl? What, why even send anybody then? Yeah, they they just it's it's for networking and a, and a presence. They're just having fun down there, and <laughs> they're confirming their beliefs too. Like if they, they should they should be more on the lookout for who's actually dominating. Who would you rather have? You were starting an NFL team. Who are you going to draft? Out of those two? Yeah, Jalen Tolbert, Alec Pierce. Yeah, it's Tolbert. It's uh... yes, yes. So no, I'm not factoring in the draft capital. And that that is that. And that isn't even uh, that isn't a I just listened to Matt go on about Tolbert for the last three minutes. That's legitimately how I have it, too. <laughs> don't it? Thank you. Yes. I don't even think it's close. Right. It's like, well, one guy was drafted a full round earlier. Yeah. It's day two, man. It's day two. Yeah. I was on a show uh, within the last couple of weeks and most like most likely rookie to bust came up and uh, I threw Alec Pierce's name within the conversation. That is he is number one. He's my number one most likely bus candidate, followed by Christian Watson. But Christian Watson has a lot more upside, right? Christian Watson doesn't have Michael Pittman. Yeah. Right? Uh, Christian Watson does have uh, Aaron Rodgers. That was my dilemma. He could be the team's wide receiver one, or he could completely bust. He's just a, was a giant gamble for me. Now, you also uh, founded this thing. Some people have heard of it. It's called the Scott Fish Bowl. Yeah, one or two people have heard of it. It's a... Uh, you know, it's a pretty, pretty popular thing. Yeah. So let's, let, let's just, can we, can we go through the Scott Fishbowl? Can we talk about it? Do you mind? Do you mind talking about this thing that you, that you started? That's, that's one of the most popular and important. We had 33,000 people sign up this year. We had like 16,000, 15,000 something last year. That's just insane. Well, okay. Let me get this straight. So you went from 15,000 signups last year to more than 30 this year. Yeah. Yep. But the year before, it was like 11-something. So 11-something to 15-something to 30-plus. Okay. So you're doing something which is difficult to do, which is your growth rate is actually increasing over time. Yeah. It's just uh, just an insane year. It's uh, it's good, though. It's it's good that people are finding out about it and that, you know, the the kind of mentalities I want to push out there are spreading. It's, it's a good thing. How many people will actually be in – the league between 2,400 and 3,000. I'm shooting for 3,000, which is like a one in 10, one in 11 rate of, you know, the people that sign up. But, uh, like it's like this COVID has me completely just a lethargic wreck and, uh, time is dwindling down and, uh, we'll see how close I get there. I think I've invited over 2,400 people. Part of the problem is I invite them personally. Like, if a content creator or an analyst signs up, I go to check to make sure that they're still doing work that they're, you know, like I, uh, if regular people sign up, I, you know, check maybe their Twitter or whatever to see if, you know, fairly positive person or whatever. There's lots of contests running. It's just a lot going on. And this year we have 11 live events around the country. So, 
Um, I'm running short on time, so we'll we'll see how many I get. But the goal is three thousand. It's really bad luck with COVID, man. It's really bad luck, bad timing. It, it could be also looked at as good timing because you know I'll be over it for all the you know stuff I have to do, right? So like. <laughs> Once I'm done with this, I should be pretty good for the rest of the summer, not having to worry about having to deal with something like this. You are one of the great optimists in the industry. This is one of the reasons why we love you. It's always glass hat full with Scott Fish. Now, talk to us about this live draft concept. This is new for this year. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I believe I announced that on your show last year, didn't I? Yeah, we talked offline, and then you said, I think I, I've decided it's definitely happening. Okay. And I'll mention it on your show. I remember, yes, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because you had just decided for sure that it was going to happen. Yeah. I wanted to do it for X. I wanted to do it for SFB 11, but you know, both, both years, they, I mean, one year was just flat out COVID and the next year was uh, like a resurgence of the uh, Omicron and stuff or whatever. I don't remember what it was, but um, yeah, this year we are having 11 live drafts uh, with, you know, multiple drafts around the country. Um, you know, the cities you can imagine, like Los Angeles and Seattle, Chicago, Minneapolis. The big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Bigger cities. Didn't so get how, New, uh, New York or Las, or Las Vegas, believe it or not. It's crazy how difficult it is to find a free venue in New York <laughs> to host. Fuck New York. <laughs> you don't have to do New York. I love, nothing would make me happy to see you do every city but Las <laughs> Vegas and New York. That would be <laughs> Just perfect. Trend up. So perfect because, you know, from the, the roots of the Scott Fishbowl, it's, it's, it's a free fantasy league. Right. Right. It's a free fantasy league. So how is it going to work? How, how are you going to do the logistics for these live drafts? So each each live draft we have, I, I, I have a one to four people, you know, organizing and running it, uh, like basically like helping helping me organize it. Like they're going to be the the point man, I guess, at each of these locations right. setting it up. We actually only had 10. Um, that, that's how it's working. Uh, but we in the last few days, uh, a friend of mine, Mike Shop, who is on the radio there, WGM in uh, Buffalo, uh, contacted me. He's like, I want to do a live draft here. My whole division wants to do a live draft here. Um, an SFB live draft and I got Thurman Thomas. He'll come Thurman Thomas and potentially another player. And I'm like, all right, let's make it work. So last minute we got two drafts going on in Buffalo at a bar in Buffalo. It's a completely free, um, Thurman Thomas is going to be there. The, the proceeds are going to support his foundation. Um, it's just, it's just incredible. Just incredible. Dude. Thurman Thomas was an incredible fantasy asset. I know. I remember. I, I almost never had him on my teams in the nineties, but I do remember. Okay. So he had a season. Thurman Thomas had a, a season with close to 1500 rushing yards. And he had another season where he put up uh, more than 600 receiving yards. So he had back-to-back -back seasons with 2000 total yards. And in those seasons, he put up uh, 12 touchdowns, 12 touchdowns. So he's putting up 2,000 yards and 12 touchdowns regularly. That was what you were getting from Thurman Thomas for at least a two-year stretch. And then the, the years, and then two years on both sides of that, he was putting up like 1,500 total yards and 10 touchdowns. Guy was a machine. It's crazy him and Barry Sanders went to college at the same college. <laughs> That's insane backfield. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, four straight years with more than 1,800 total yards. Great guy to have. 
advocating for the Scott Fishbowl great guy to yeah. partner with. I'm a little shocked at how difficult it is to plan 10 or 11 live events at the same time. You're surprised by that. <laughs> no, I'm, be, I'm being sarcastic. I, I figured it would be difficult, but I, I did not realize what I was getting into. <laughs> I would have suggested to you five. Yeah. Right. If, if we were talking about it, like how many exactly we're going to do, I would say, hey, Scott, you know, maybe first time you're piloting this idea, maybe do five. Yeah. You know, that is why I cut it off. But I will say the people who are like the lead person or lead persons at each of these have been awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, they're going to take a lot of the mantle, a lot of a lot of the work off my plate. They're they're basically running it. You know, they're 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 the guy on the scene. So. Um, mad props to them for for making it easier than it should have been. Oh wait, so they have a draft board and then they enter the teams online after it's over. I, you know, I get I let it up to them for to decide what they want to do. They are they all are good, all are going to have draft boards at these live events. Or people could just draft on their computers. They could all have their laptops with them at the same time. Absolutely, they can draft on their computers. You can have a point like one person, like designate one person to enter the picks as they're put up on the board. I I told them all the various right. options. They'll do something, but yes, there will be draft boards and there'll be you know, food, drinks, etc. At all of these. And the last time you came on, we talked about how the Scott Fishbowl made an appearance on ESPN. So I, I feel like there's even been even more cultural penetration of this entire phenomenon. Over the last year, what's been the newest sort of uh, greatest mention of the Scott Fishbowl in popular culture? You know, I man, I I don't know that there's a specific one. It's just impressive that it keeps getting mentioned on different things like ESPN yeah. or or like NFL Network or something. Like it's it's unreal to have men just mentions on all these all these things. Uh, there's not one specific thing. What about a celebrity? What about a, do you, is there some celebrity that was like, I want in and you were like, Whoa, wow. That's, that's a difficult one to answer. Cause there's a whole bunch of celebrities already in like fishbowl from, you know, like actors that you may know, like Tom Everett Scott or Scott Porter from Friday night lights or like, uh, James Roday Rodriguez, uh, from psych and million little things. Isn't Rob Lowe a big football fan? Why isn't Rob Lowe in the Scott Fishbowl? Where, where, where is Rob Lowe? Does anyone know Rob Lowe? Does he know about this? Shane Battier's in it. Eric Young's in it. Wrestler uh, Eric Young. Um, there's just there's a lot of people, and I'm, I know I'm missing like 40 people. Yeah, we're not asking for Tom Cruise here. Okay, we're not asking for Maverick. All right, we're not we're not shooting that. We're just saying, hey, if you're Mister NFL Ball Cap. You should probably be in the Scott Fishbowl. How about that? How about that, Rob? Plus, there's so many fantasy fans out there. Like, half the Avengers do, like, fantasy leagues. I'm like, well, you can come join this. Let's get some Avengers, man. Robert Downey Jr., let's go. Let's go, buddy. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you end up raising a lot of money for this charity, Fantasy Cares. So let's let's talk about Fantasy Cares and in and, – what you're able to do with the proceeds from the Scott Fishbowl. Yeah. So the, the fantasy cares thing for me, like I, I, and I see you have written here, what, what does it mean for me? And, and that's really what I wanted to expound on is that for me, fantasy cares is really about just 
getting everyone out there to add a charitable element to what they're doing and in specifically this this fabulous hobby that we all have it it doesn't matter if it's supporting the toy drive we do or the drives we do for you know various things like food shelves and whatnot it can be like we did a fundraiser for uh, v foundation we've done we've done lots of different fundraisers it's just about getting out there and like if you have a platform or if you have an, the ability to, you know, have a, if you have a fantasy league, just do something good with it. No one's going to miss one entry fee out of the pot and they're all going to be on board with helping out a charity, you know? So, um, that, that's what, it, that's really what it means to me is just pushing the mentality that we can do good with this hobby that we have. It's incredible, dude. It really is. Let's talk about the winners from the past. So last year, uh, talk to us about who won, how they won? Did, did I'm assuming you 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 track the 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 success uh, for the particular teams? Do you do you remember even? I mean, I know these these leagues blend together. In fact, uh, last year we had a fan win for the second year in a row, which is pretty impressive because only a third of the field is fans. I'm cha- this year. I'm letting more fans in than ever, um, but about a third of the field is fans. So we've had we had a, a fan win for the second year in a row, third year in SFP history that a fan has won. Um, his roster was like you can expect is Burrow, Mahomes, Eckler, Jamar Chase with that end of season run, CD Lamb, Mark Andrews, like Dalton Schultz. Like, oh my God. Okay. This guy had the nuts. Oh, he had the nuts. I love that. He didn't just like have a great last couple of weeks. He had the nuts roster. Yeah. Yeah. He really did. I was, I was going to go check where he was on the leaderboard going into the playoffs. Um, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was pretty good. It sounds um, like yeah. he went uh, quarterback, running back, quarterback. Yeah, I think he went. It sounds like I think he went Mahomes, Eckler, Burrow, or Mahomes, Burrow, Eckler. So he went essentially hero RB with two early quarterbacks. He went Mahomes, Eckler, Burrow is how he started it. That's that's what I want to do. Yes. I did. I want to do the same thing I did last year. I started with two quarterbacks. Yeah, when his out of his first seven picks, he did take Edwards Alaire in there, but uh, C.D. Lamb, Mark Andrews, Jamar Chase. Like when you hit six of your first seven picks, you're you're going to make a run. You do not need a draft wide receiver in the first three rounds of the Scott Fish Bowl. This guy had the nuts. Nope, you don't have to do it. That's that's the one rule of thumb. Is like you, you just don't want to spend up too early on wide receiver because the super flex component will push uh, certain players, especially quarterbacks out. Uh, and then off. And then basically what that does is that offsets and displaces wide receivers to really a, a shocking extent. It really does. Wide receiver in best ball league could go in round three and in the Scott fishbowl go in round seven. Like that's the thing that happens every year. You look up, and you're like, "How is receiver X, Y, and Z available in round seven? I believe you got a. I believe you got a quote from me about four years ago from saying, "I just need you to say I hate wide receivers." I'm Scott Fisher. <laughs> I hate wide receivers, or something like that. That was because of the rules. But it's. But the thing is, this guy, this guy that won, who would he have? He had uh, Jamar Chase. So you still need good receivers. Yeah, the the wide receivers really their value comes in depth. In this in this league, um, they're they're the guys you you know you need three of them 
and you can play up to seven of them. So, and the basically 100 to 200 overall is just littered with wide receivers. The top echelon guys are not the wide receivers, but that, that second tier is just tons of wide receivers. The quarterback I'm circling the third, fourth round quarterback this year is Joe Burrow. The, The Joe Burrow for this guy this year, I think will be Kirk cousins. Wait, <laughs> you always make me have a bold call, and that's later. <laughs> Wait, what? That was you didn't. We didn't talk about this. Tell, tell the people you're honest. You, we didn't talk about this. No, we didn't. No, I'm, that's why I'm saying no, no. That's that, the bold. My bold prediction is for later, and you're about to talk about it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm a big Kirk Cousins stand this year. <laughs> oh my! What did I do? I knew you're from Minnesota. You're a Vikings fan. I was like, I got, I got to make sure I, I talk to Scott about my my Kirk Cousins enthusiasm. Okay, put that off to the side. That never happened. We never talked about Kirk Cousins. Okay. Now you did tinker with the scoring this year. You tinker with the scoring every year. Do you think that at some point the scoring will not change? It really barely has the last three years. So yes, I do think that that's very, like it's always changed. But I'm getting to the point where I just kind of like the scoring and I'm having trouble thinking of, you know, things that I either want to bring. Like I usually change it to bring an idea to the industry, like points per first down or something or flexing kickers or what. Like I want to bring something for the industry to chomp on and, and, you know, think about possibly bringing to their leagues or just it's something interesting. But we're we're running low on those right now. (laughs) And it's nice that year to year people have some understanding when it was a hundred guys, that's one thing. But when you're now thousands of people, right, a much more broad audience, you know, throwing these change ups, right, low and away <laughs> to thousands of people from one year to the next, it becomes more challenging. So I can understand why you'd want a consistent scoring system. And it seems to me that you've made a real concerted effort this year to increase the relevance of kickers. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's a very specific reason for that as well. Um, I I was actually fine with this kicker scoring last year, but this year the league is going to be played on both sleeper and MFL and sleeper does not allow you to flex kickers at this point. Um, So they're required to start one. So I had to up kicker scoring structurally design it so that's it, that it's almost a detriment not to start one, but you probably don't want to start two, just to almost even the field because these people are playing together. It's the one rule that's different between the two two sides. And uh, I thought long and hard about it. I'm like, this is about the closest I can get it is is adjusting the scoring to a degree where the top twelve or thirteen kickers should be started, but past that. Eh. You could have just required kickers on my fantasy league. I could have. I thought long and hard about that. I hate to hate to break it, to Scott. I I didn't I didn't find out. I didn't realize this until way too late. <laughs> but I could have. However, flexing kickers, just having the ability to flex kickers instead of start them, is arguably one of the more popular settings I've had over the course of SFB. I think the most popular one was you know, figuring out a way to score quarterbacks so that they, the tiers separate a ton. That's right. That's been giantly, just hugely popular. Um, the flexing kickers one, I can't even count. Like I don't even have, I couldn't even come up with a number of amount of people who have contacted me saying, 
half our league wanted to get rid of kickers. Half our league didn't. And we brought this to them and we did it. Right. And he's like, this worked. So like, I didn't want to completely get rid of it. Yeah. So the scoring system you're talking about, or the rule that you're talking about, the scoring rule to help to stratify quarterbacks was that you put uh, a completion percentage incentive in play where if quarterbacks throw for something higher than a 67% completion percentage, then they get some bonus points. Below that, they uh, they get discounted. Well, the problem is quarterbacks can't throw for much higher than 67%. They can't get to close to you know, 70%, Kirk Cousins. <clears throat> but there are quarterbacks that can throw for much lower yes. than 67%. So what that really is is a way to punish the gunslinger quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that are actually hurting their NFL teams, but they're good for fantasy, not so fast in the Scott Fishbowl. The second part of that quarterback scoring is increased inter- interception negative points. That's right. So basically, you're bad. you have a bad day, you're going to hurt your team. Right, you hurt your NFL team, you're going to hurt your Scott Fishbowl team. That's the way you've set it up, which is brilliant. I thought that was brilliant. So most of the... Yeah, it's, it's been brilliant. I did also flex kicker one time last year at a lot of buys, and I and I, I did the math, and I was like, well, you know, this fringe wide receiver, you know, I hope he gets twelve fantasy points, but eh, I don't know, maybe I'll just go with a kicker. You know, I'll lock in that that eight to ten points and 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 move on, and it worked. Yeah, nice. Um, you are correct though. I absolutely did overcorrect on kickers. Very, it was designed. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but um, I mean, you, you've gone pretty far. I crunched the numbers so hard to try to figure out how to make that work, but still allow flexing for 90% of the people. You're going to want to play kicker a lot this year. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've made it so they score a lot of fantasy points. The bonus for kickers is incredible. So I will certainly be playing kicker. If I'm in a league where you flex kicker, I'm going to be flexing kicker more often this year based on the scoring you have to the first thing you do when you join a new league is you check the scoring scott yep i i definitely probably did overcorrect though like i'm i'm like 13 kickers last year averaged over 10 points per game um so that's about their level you know uh in, in fishbowl so that that's what you're looking at that's right at the range where you should be flexing at least one of them so do you have any other strategy tips other than maybe waiting on wide receiver till round, say, four? Any other strategy tips for us? No, I, th- I think you pretty much summed it up with the way that guy won his league is that I find myself I need a, de- a really good running back and two quarterbacks in the first three to four rounds. Like I, I feel like I have to do that. Otherwise, I'm, re- I'm really deprived somewhere else. Right, and it, it is deep, and – you're also better off in those final rounds just to go with fringe running backs and and hope to hit on an Elijah Mitchell. Mm. You're better off doing that than drafting fringe wide receivers. Fringe wide receivers have such a low hit rate. They're so likely to be churned. And even if they're not churned, they're putting you in a situation where you're vexed as to whether to start them or not. So all that, even if one of these late round wide receivers produces something interesting in the first couple of weeks, all that it's going to do is put you in a difficult position when you're deciding who to start and who to sit. Whereas if an Elijah Mitchell hits, 
then it's clear that you've got something very valuable on your hands. Most of these fringe wide receivers at the end of a draft don't end up becoming valuable assets. And if anything, they can trick you into holding on to them for a couple extra weeks when you probably should have just let them go earlier. So the solution to that problem is to just stop drafting wide receivers late and just pound running back. I'm not drafting a wide receiver after Paris Campbell's off the board. Sure, sure. Is that fair? Yeah, it's absolutely fair. Oh, man, still like Paris Campbell. You like Paris Campbell. I mean, I like Paris Campbell. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna chase that rainbow. But that's the la- That's the that the upside there is so high for Paris Campbell. He's so fast, and, and there's no one in that number two wide receiver chair at the moment that I can justify it. After him, I'm out. Yep, I I, I definitely agree on that. I, I I really thought Paris Campbell like growing in that offense a few years ago was going to be up, but injuries, man, just injuries. Uh, as for the running, that's a, you've kind of made me think a lot. Like I generally take a lot of wide receiver dart throws on the, like I'm a dynasty guy. So like, I love, I love those, you know, deep wide receivers, but in this, you're right. You're right. Especially in a redraft league. You're absolutely right. Go back and look at your past Scott fishbowl rosters and see if any of these wide receivers you drafted late made a goddamn difference. I'm kind of interested in that now. (laughs) I just might do that. Yeah, that was one of my exercises uh, this year, this off season, and it wasn't pretty. It wasn't. It wasn't pretty. So, in terms of the the value pockets, so let's say that you're into round eight, nine, ten. Where are you trying to draft tight end, for example? Because I've been debating with my co-host in the Dominator Show, Billy Muzio, where to go tight end based on the scoring system for the Scott Fishbowl. There's a premium on tight end. What's your cutoff? My cutoff is I'm not going to let Albert O get by me. Like I don't want a tight end worse than Albert O. That's my threshold for waiting on tight end. Yeah, the the tight end premium is incredibly nice in this. I I have routinely tried to get myself a top four or five tight end in fishbowl. I've often uh, I almost always take the the first spot just. That way I can start the draft and deal with stuff that's going on and not and have so I, I've I have before double tapped the four or five turn with two tight ends. I'm I routinely take tight ends early in this and it's it's almost never worked out for me. So maybe I should stop. Well, didn't it work out for the champion last year? Didn't he have Mark Andrews? He did have Mark Andrews. He would have had to draft him in the fourth round. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly what it was. It, it was the fifth end. It was the fifth round. Whoa! See? See, that's the thing. Also, you got to get a little bit lucky. The idea that Mark Andrews in a tight end premium, a super tight end premium format, oh my god, would slip to the fifth round. He got lucky. He got a little lucky. You get, get he's smart and lucky. Six oh four. Six oh four. Six oh four. What? What? That's just not even fair. Oh man. That is the other thing to prepare for fishbowl. Every draft is so different. Every draft is so incredibly different because <clears throat> the scoring is generally fairly balanced. Generally fairly balanced. So every draft can be just chaos. So I was targeting TJ Hawkinson last year. That's the guy I was targeting at value. This year it's going to be Albert Akuig Boonham. 
But I'm open to it. I'm open to a Mark Andrews or anyone else falling to me. Like, I'm open to it. If I'm in the sixth round and, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go for Albert O, and a guy like a Mark Andrews slips to me, I'm, I'm pushing the button, bro. Like, you got to be flexible. You can't have, like, a, a set plan in mind to just punt tight end or, or punt wide receiver. No, 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 no. Who knows what this guy's plan was, this fan that won last year, but he knew that – Mark Andrews falls to you there in the sixth round. You get you got to push the button. Yeah, I I'm I'm struggling to think of what would have possibly made Mark Andrews slip that far at that point in time. Like if there was some kind of news that week or something that I don't know. But yeah, you gotta you gotta. Kate Otten's gonna get drafted this year. He is. I, I was gonna say ninth through twelfth round is where tight ends generally go in in fishbowl. Like it feels like it's those top five or so, and then there's nothing, and then it's that that grouping. Yeah, you can wait. You can wait. If you're if you're committed to waiting for a value tight end, then then what'll happen is the the elite tight ends will get pushed up and a couple of the sort of uh most popular breakout candidate tight ends will get pushed up like a TJ Hawkinson and then there'll be a lull cuz I don't think that Alberto is in that category yet. 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 Not yet. Uh, and then later you can either go with uh, a young upside play or one of these veterans who's found himself in a, a target-friendly situation, like Austin Hooper's in a target-friendly situation, Hayden Hurst. And so those are some guys that you can get late and probably want, want to get two good tight ends in the Scott Fishbowl. That's what I'm trying to do every year. I'm not, I'm not satisfied just having one good tight end. Yeah, it's... I'm the same as you. I always need at least two good ones. So if I end up with Alberto and Austin Hooper and uh, Kate Otten or uh, Hayden Hurst, I'm happy. Kate Otten is moving up across the board. I mean, he's like the biggest riser right now after Gronkowski retired. And they're talking about how he's the, the, the top candidate to you know be the starter and, and have the, the, the greatest target share among... Tampa Bay tight ends over Cameron Bright. Like, I, I don't see that, man. I don't see that at all. I mean, fantasy gamers aren't going to fall for that shit. We've, we've been told for so many years about rookie tight ends, right? And, and it almost never works out. Okay, Kyle Pitts was a top five pick. All right, you can't give me Kyle Pitts. You got to give me a guy that's not a first round pick. Did he do a goddamn thing in year one? No. Yeah, it's it it never works out. But no matter how much we try to hype these guys up, it never works out. And plus, Kate Otten was more of a blocking guy. Like he's a good receiver, but he was more of a blocking guy. And Braid has built his career on being a decent in the middle receiver. Yeah. So if I'm gonna go anybody, I'm going Cameron Braid, right? Austin Hooper, Cameron Braid, Hayden Hurst. Those are my value tight ends, especially for the Scott Fishbowl in Dynasty. I'd rather have Greg Dulcich. Hundred percent. Right, Greg Dulcich is a move tight end. I like when you get, especially especially when you get uh, an offense like that where, and I I like Albert O too, but um, you get an offense like that when you got a new coach, you got a new new players in the or new you know front office, et cetera, et cetera. That maybe they don't keep Albert O after like they traded Fant away, you know, <laughs> maybe they don't they don't keep Albert O after. I, I can't remember if this is his last year. Or the next next year is his last year on his contract. Or they play Dulcich in the slot, right? What happens? There's an injury to Judy. There's an injury to Tim Patrick. You play some Dulcich in the slot. And then, and then, and then you don't know what's going to happen in 2023. Who knows, right? I think the big winner in Tampa is not Kate Otten. It's probably not even Cameron Brait. It's 
it's got to be Russell Gage. Yeah, don't get me go. I, I love Russell Gage. I was a big Russell Gage guy last year. Um, I tried to trade Matthew uh, Matthew Barry in our league for Russell Gage two nights ago. Shot him, shot him, text him like, "Do you want to do this deal?" I was offering up like one eleven, like one eleven, my my picks to get. I was trying to get Dalvin Cook and Russell Gage, but I was trying to pick those two off his roster and it, like throwing Antonio Gibson his way, the one eleven, yeah. like other stuff. Couldn't get it done. He didn't go for it with Gibson. I <laughs> I think his text bat, and I don't know if I I don't think he wanted to be more invested in the Washington offense. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's uh has connections to Washington. He's a Washington fan. I remember when I drafted Darius Geis in that league. He 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 texted me and was like, "That's not going to work out." So <laughs> it, 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 he's prescient. I mean, if he's not in on Antonio Gibson, that makes me even a little more uh, hesitant and likely to go with say, "Oh, uh, a Brian Robinson." Oh boy, <laughs> right, Brian Robinson. There's a late round Scott Fishbowl dart for you. Brian Robinson, Tyrion Davis Price, among other. Rookie running backs, you're going to want to throw darts on the double-digit rounds of the Scott Fishbowl. Those are two great candidates. Algier. What about, uh, say, Jerry Judy versus Russell Gage? <sighs> Who would you rather have? Who would you rather draft in the Scott Fishbowl? That's really, really difficult. Um, just because just because Chris Godwin's probably going to come back at some point, I think I might lead Judy. I, th- I think they're only four wide receivers apart in fishbowl ADP, but I'm such a gauge guy that I think like if I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there on the clock, I might end up going gauge. Did you know that Chris Godwin also tore his MCL? Yeah, I did. Uh, yes, I did. I do remember that now. Yes. And very late in the season. Yep. I know. I know. He'll, that's why I said he'll be coming back. I'm talking to PUP. So, so, so let me get this straight, Scott. So he comes back and then gauge moves into the, what the Antonio Brown role. That's absolutely fine. Um, <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing I love about Gage, and I'm sure you've talked about this on your show, is Tom Brady called him up to come to Tampa. Tom Brady personally called him yep. to come to Tampa. Yep. Like, it, 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 it's one of those things that I talked about on Fantasy Football Weekly that like annoyed me because I, I, was, I was a Tyler Johnson guy. Tyler Johnson, obviously from Minnesota. I'm a Minnesota mm, boy. Mm. And I'm like, does Brady just hate Tyler Johnson at this point? Like, it is very frustrating. Like, how does Brady, like, we know, right, as fantasy gamers, like, how efficient Gage was and underrated. And, you know, when, during the game, when they pan to the sideline and, say, the Atlanta offense is on the field, you know, Brady's on, on the bench. You know, he's talking to his teammates. They're, they're going through the tablet. Right, they're talking about the next play. Like that means he has to be actively scouting these guys before and after these games. Players he'll never face. Players he'll never face. To me, the last player that Tom Brady would would ever even study would be Russell Gage, and yet he seems to just know intuitively. Oh yeah, this guy's underrated. This guy's going to be a value. We don't have much cap space. I mean, Tom Brady, the general manager, Tom Brady, the offensive coordinator. I mean, he's just this guy. He wants to win a championship. And if that means putting a few extra hours of film study on wide receivers that are going to be free agents, maybe that's what he's doing. He's so good. I mean, so good. He, He unretired for a month to do, to do some film work. 
I just can't. He's just he's on player profiler. He's watching film of the Atlanta Falcons. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> the film he needs to watch, and we all need to watch, is the uh, highlight reel from one Cortland Sutton mm-hmm. in 2019. Have you seen that? I have not, but uh, I watched a lot of that. I was a Cortland Sutton like th- this. Actually, is I don't even know how this is going to come up, but. I was so into both Corlin Sutton and Kenny Galladay that yeah, I thought they were both going to be like spectacular alphas. Yeah. Um, so like even now, three years later, I'm like, I can't quit these guys a little bit. <laughs> Just <laughs> Well, Kenny Galladay. Uh, yeah. It's easier to quit him. Right. Kenny Galladay was what? A third round pick. And here's, here's the biggest difference. Stafford targeted him a ton for it. There was a lot of volume associated to what Kenny Galladay did in Detroit. Uh, not so much as Sutton Sutton actually made crazy, a lot of crazy, impressive plays. That's right. But you know, Kenny Galladay has never had a 25% target share. Yeah. That's not a thing he ever, even when he was the clear primary option in that passing game, the best option that Matthew Stafford had, he never had a 25% plus target share. Interesting. Cortland Sutton did, right? Cortland Sutton's 26% target share was number seven in the NFL in 2019. Now that I think about that, doesn't surprise me given Stafford would throw it 40 to 50 times a game. So even 10 targets, you're not going to get much of it. Well, Galladay had a spectacular highlight reel. Galladay was going uh, fully laid out down the field. One of Galladay's best attributes is his contested catchability. Like he, he will moss people. He, I, I remember him his rookie year, like just completely destroying James Brad, Bradbury in two different two different plays in the same game. He absolutely has those. But Sutton is a better route runner. He's a better all around player. He has more versatility. And I know that Judy was more productive in the games they played together last year. But that was also his first year back from a torn ACL with you know a, a journeyman quarterback. So we're going to see what happens when he's fully healthy, fully online, and he has a veteran quarterback, and he has the same physical tools as the wide receiver that quarterback was familiar with targeting the previous year, DK Metcalf. Mm-hmm. So no one's allowed to be surprised when Cortland Sutton outproduces DK Metcalf this year. Yeah. But no, I agree. You you've always had Sutton ahead of Judy, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I've always had Sutton ahead. I you, you, I do that face again. Do that face. I love that face. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Come on. Um the thing about Sutton is he's all he's always had that wide receiver one alpha in him. Like even going back to playing with the Mustangs in college, right? Like he's always had that he's always had that I can be the alpha wide receiver one and Judy, no, he could be, but I don't see it. I see him as a could be a great two on a team. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna be fine, fine too. In that year, by the way, uh, Cortland Sutton, twenty red zone targets. That was also top ten. So he's just you know, everywhere. He he's what you want. He, what what do we want in fantasy football? We want targets and we want touchdowns, and that's what Cortland Sutton delivers. And t- take a look at the, the efficiency and accuracy of, of the quarterbacks he was working with at that point compared to now. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. This is what we want. What was the case for Cooper Cup last year? Big upgrade at quarterback, right? Well, then why not Cortland Sutton? Same rationale. And then that's also the same rationale for 
Justin Jefferson being the number one wide receiver this year in that it's not the quarterback that they're upgrading, but they're bringing the system, the Rams system, the Rams coaching staff to Minnesota. We're going to talk about that later. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm not. I promise. I'm not going to say the C word. That's fine. I'm not going to say the C. I'm not going to do it. Fun little trilogy of wide receivers we're talking about considering uh, two of them are on that Twitter dynasty league of ours. <laughs> yes. And I'm about to draft another one. No, I mean, I have, I have Sutton and DK Metcalf on that team. Oh yeah. Well, I was talking about Vikings wide receivers. I have Amir Smith, Marcel. Oh, oh, and Justin Jefferson. And I am considering drafting a third one because if I am trying to win this year, I'm out on rookie wide receivers at this point. I got the last rookie wide receiver. I think is going to produce a goddamn thing this year. So, what I am considering doing is drafting a veteran wide receiver in the rookie draft because you can do that in this league. And there's a fellow named KJ Osborne that's available. And so I may, I'm, I'm tempted. My problem is I have no idea how the league feels about these veterans in the rookie draft. I know most people have this, this big bias towards the rookies. And you can always feel like, oh, I can wait and get you know veteran wide receiver X. But I kind of want Osborne. I want to lock up that that Vikings passing game. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm done. We're talking about it later. I promise, Scott. Here's the thing about Osborne. Last last preseason, they brought in D.D. Westbrook. They brought in a bunch of guys to try to compete for that third wide receiver role on the Vikings. And Osborne blew the doors off of all of them. Every report, like in, and I work with Paul Charchian, who's super plugged in there. Everything out of there is that Osborne made it no competition. That's why you saw Osborne all all season. Hey, okay, okay, all right. (laughs) That's nothing else to say there. All right. Now, what about Leonard Fournette reporting at 240 pounds? How do you feel Uh, about that? Shades of Eddie Lacy, right? <laughs> is that is that the first comparable you go to when you think of something like, with, especially when you got pictures that come by it? He has been you know, following this process year in year out. He comes in, he he doesn't do a lot of strength and conditioning in the off season, but that only works for so many years, right? So I just think that that is, man, I was so in on Fournette the last two years when everyone was out now that everyone's back in and he's creeping into the first round of fantasy drafts, I can't get on board. Like I'm just the ultimate contrarian with Leonard Fournette right now. And I know he's not in the first round yet, but I'm starting to see him creep into the early second round and high stakes. Mm-hmm. And I can't do it. I can't do it. The guy's 27 years old. And I don't like to draft older running backs, even if they're going to be target hogs, even that he's also going to benefit from Rob Gronkowski retiring again. And yet I just, I just, I don't love, I just don't love that he's 27 and doesn't love the game the way that some running backs that are able to play into their thirties do right. This isn't a LaDainian Tomlinson situation. I know he has LaDainian Tomlinson skill set. But that, that he has to continually work his way back into shape every time he reports, it leaves you open to hamstring injuries and ineffective play. And I also know that he's going up against a guy who's already 23. He's fully polished and, and ready to start producing this year in Rashad White. Who can pass catch really well. 
<laughs> who is as strong a receiver in the passing game as Leonard Fournette. We want to pencil Fournette in for an 80% opportunity share, but I'm just not I'm just not there. I can't get there, man. I just I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I mean, I'm going to be a contrarian on Fournette forever, I guess. As soon as people are out, I'm in. As soon as people are in, I'm out. Yeah, so I think this is as long as Rashad White's like uh, ADP stays at a reasonable level, he's probably the guy you want to be grabbing just because where Fournette's going, um, you're paying a lot for a guy who could, you know, see see some workload go down. Um, I will say Brady through his career has been a guy who like trusts the guy he knows could, that can protect him. And I feel like he trusts Fournette at this point. So that might play in a little bit of a factor. Um, but otherwise, the, the statement you were making about Fournette not seemingly loving the game is it feels true now, which would have been crazy to me like three, four years ago because it seemed like he was the guy that loves to get in there and just hit someone. And now it seems like he that's, you know, he like you said, he has to work himself into shape every year. That doesn't seem like someone who is like you look at uh, look at what Saquon Barkley did to prepare for this season. Or Christian McCaffrey every year or whatever. And then you see Fournette come in like this. I'd rather have Barkley. Oh, that's honestly, that's not really close. I'd rather have Barkley. Fournette's going a couple picks before Barkley right now. Barkley's one of my like aloe vera guys for this year. Like the guy that burnt you last year and you want to, you want to soothe yourself with, with, with him this year. Cause he's gonna, he's going to be good again. If I'm going to go with a 27 year old running back, I'd rather go with a guy with a similar role. That's actually not as worn out right with less mileage is Aaron Jones and, and, and less target competition. It's just, it's, it's hard for me to, it's just so hard for me with Fournette this year. Aaron Jones numbers without Devonte Adams are ridiculous. And Rogers loves him in the past game. So it's ridiculous. Yeah. If, if all we care about are targets from our running backs, I mean, Aaron Jones, baby, he could be a top five guy. I mean, Absolutely. That's what he's been we did two straight years as a top five fantasy running back. Malik Willis can't play. Is that what I'm hearing from camp? Well, I think the early reports coming out right, like right after the draft, after the slide, they're like, now we're hearing all the scouts say the offense he ran was so basic. Like the playbook was so like, he doesn't like he, he's going to have to learn a lot. It's going to be a huge learning curve. And, and maybe that's just what we're seeing. Maybe, maybe that's just some of what we're seeing or hearing out of there, but I've watched him play. And he looks like he can play to me. He looks good to me. Once he figures it out, I think he'll be fine, right? Like if it's a playback, playbook learning offense, like kind of stuff, I get that. But he can play. We've seen him. He can play. He's not a practice squad quarterback. He's not a guy that helps you learn a new play, right? You want to go learn a new play and where everyone needs to be and make sure the ball's delivered on time from the pocket like to diagram a new play. He's not the guy to help you diagram a new play, Scott. He's a guy that you go out and say, hey, make a play. We need our quarterback to make a play. That's what he's good at, right? So it's like uh, that in, in Buffalo, right? They're like, hey, we need to diagram a play here. Well, we'll okay, bring in Matt Barkley, right? He'll be quarterback <laughs> X, right? He can be Matt Barkley is fine as quarterback X, right? But if you want a guy that's going to go out there and do shit that other people aren't going to do and stuff that's not in the playbook, well, that's Josh Allen. So my hope is they don't get too caught up in, 
oh, the ball didn't get delivered on time from a particular angle, from a particular slot in the pocket. Uh, okay, that's all right. Like, when the bullets start flying, my sense is if I'm an NFL team, I'm going to want Malik Willis out there. I just, uh, not Logan Woodside, bro. Come on. I think, and this is a complete side tangent, but when I realized Josh Allen had all this buzz for being bad coming out, and and his rookie year, he played a game against the Vikings a few weeks in, and the Bills were supposedly this terrible team, and I don't even think they had a win. And the Vikings, I think, were undefeated at the time. I I might be wrong on that. But he comes in, and he beats us 27-6 to in our own stadium, and he's hurtling defenders. I think he had like a a ton of yards rushing. I don't remember what it was, but he's hurtling defenders. I'm like, this guy can play ball. Yeah. Like, (laughs) you just got to get some of these guys on the field. Yeah, Matthew Barry in our super flex draft, rookie draft, selected him at the 206. And that's exactly where he should go. That's exactly where he should go. It's perfect where he should go. Right. And uh, J.J. drafted Desmond Ritter over Malik Willis. That was interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I think I would have gone Willis there. I feel like I would like I don't hate it either because I like Ritter and I like that he's still pro ready. And I like that there's a chance that, you know, he gets it sounded like he's going to absolutely get some playing time this year. So I get it, especially if you're trying to make a run. I don't know if J.J. is or not. He's rebuilding. Oh, then, then I might have leaned with the higher upside in Willis. Oh, oh wow, we're 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 disagreeing with JJ Zacharyson. This is not something you normally hear on a podcast. It's I think it's one A one B though. Like maybe he just well. Well, let's continue. Let's continue criticizing JJ Zacharyson. Would you rather have Jalen Tolbert or David Bell? Mm, pro- probably Jalen Tolbert in that offense for for several years. Oh, JJ. I agree. I agree. I agree. We are in. I love JJ. Agreement that we are disagreeing with our good friend JJ Zacharyson. I hope it gets back to him. He he's got a he's got a great model, and I listen to his show like every every show. He's the best. The reason why this is even interesting is because he's the best. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I could turn out to be wrong in two years easily on listen. These. When I saw him draft David Bell, I went back and started rethinking things. Like this, this is That's exactly what it does. That's what this league does. That's the thing. That's what you got to do. When it's JJ, I'm like, all right. you know. And then when he took Burks, right after I took Olave, I was like, oh, shit. Maybe I should have gone Burks. That's what this league does is when a guy takes someone and you're like, hmm. When maybe they're just like, I can't decide. I'm just going to take this guy. Maybe that's what it was. But honestly, like, it makes you think when you see what these guys take. So what if in the fourth round of this league, because you have the 411, I have the 403. Yeah. What if I go with Devin Duvernay? That's, I, I mean, who else is in Baltimore at this point? Like, right? du- Duvernay is going to be the starter at right? this point. Right. If we're, if, we're, if we're interested in KJ Osborne, isn't this what we're talking about? A veteran wide receiver if you're trying to win. One is supposedly going to be a very like it's not the Vikings offensive old. It's going to be a high volume passing offense, and one is going to be probably still a pretty low volume passing offense, right. but less weapons. Right, right, yeah. So I mean, again, I'm not drafting Duvernay in the Scott Fishbowl. Duvernay is a classic example of someone I'm not drafting in the Scott Fishbowl. But best ball in a fourth round. But in a deep best ball dynasty league. Yeah, I mean, what is this? Thirty players? Yeah, that's that's a, that's a league where I'm going to want some Duvernay, baby. Yeah, he, 
he'll show up for games. Yeah, I'm not going to draft rookie wide receivers there. I'm drafting veteran wide receivers that have an inside track to the starting job all day. I'm not a full truther on Duvernay, but I like him. I'm a full truther for Ashton Doolin because I love small school players that work hard. He's already been an all pro on special teams. They, 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 they It's part emotion, part intuition. I learned about Ashton Doolin from your show. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, man, this this guy looks good on paper, man. <laughs> like, he looks good on the field when he's scoring. I don't know touchdowns. I'm talking about before, like I before I actually got to see him. And then you saw him. And then what'd you think? Looks good. Looks good. Looks pretty good. Do you have another truther for us? Another guy like that? I went I, – I quickly glossed over my dynasty rosters, and I have one player on 100% of my dynasty rosters. So I'm like, I must be a truther on this guy. And, and I, don't even, I, don't, I don't even know if you care much for him at all. But it's Donald Parham. I have, I have him everywhere. Big, six foot eight, huge target. Donald Parham in an offense that I think is going to light up scoreboards for years to come. I, I know that they replace like they've they've gone with like Jared Cook options and Gerald Everett options and stuff. They don't have anybody at tight end. Gerald Everett's not somebody. Gerald Everett's a journeyman tight end. Yeah, but there there was a game where they targeted uh, Everett or not Everett, excuse me, Parham. Like I think he scored two touchdowns in the game and targeted him like four times in the red zone. I'm like, do this every game. He's a giant out there. Well, uh, in other games they have done it, and he his his foot was out of bounds and stuff. Y- yes, <laughs> but. If 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 I have to find one in my rosters that I'm a, I must be a truther for Donald Parham. I loved him, <laughs> loved him in his XFL days. So. Small school, monster athlete on the right team, up tempo, high octane offense, very little competition for targets at the position. That is that is like chef's kiss. We'll see if it pans out, but there's a lot to like. Center of the Venn diagram, right there. Boom, boom. Yeah. All right, I'll get you out of here again. We appreciate what Scott is doing coming on the show uh, with COVID and, and he, he was diagnosed like five days ago. Like he, he's, he's peak COVID right now. Yeah. Symptoms hit yesterday. Yeah. So just, just go, go fantasy cares, fantasy cares.org, <laughs> right? Uh, net, but just scottfishbowl.com is the easiest way okay. to get to everything. So go to scottfishbowl.net. No, scottfishbowl.com. Sorry. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay. So, okay. You go to scottfishbowl.com or fantasycares.net. Right. Yeah. And contribute because this man deserves it. I'm going to do it as soon as the show is over. Now, Scott, give us a bold prediction to get us out of here. So I'm debating how bold you want me to get here. But I had for my bold prediction that Kirk Cousins finishes the year as a top five fantasy quarterback. I could go as high as three, but that'd be really pushing. But definitely top five. That's no, top five is bold enough, man. I thought about saying Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr finish top five, which I feel like is super bold. But definitely Kirk Cousins top five. I think is is in the wheel. It's 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 probably. I think it's going to happen this year. Honestly, I think it's going to happen. Most of the time I come on this show and make a bold prediction that I'm like, I don't know that I truly believe it's going to happen. It's just bold, and it, I think it could. This one, I really think it could. This offense seems like it's going to pass all day long. All day. Every, every like, I don't know how much the national audience gets compared to what I get in my ears up here, but they're like, they're, they're putting Cook out wide. They're, 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 they're talking. Five wide. Is, yeah, they're talking Cook is going to be catching 
a bazillion passes. They're talking they want to light up scoreboards. They want to pass all day. That's that's everything we're hearing up here. We we don't want to forget late round tight ends, Irv Smith too. And yeah, exactly. And mind you, Kirk Cousins, the only two games he's missed in his Vikings in, in his Vikings career was a game for COVID and uh a week seventeen that didn't matter and Sean Mannion played it. Um which brings me to an interesting Viking fact. No quarterback has played every single regular season game two years in a row since Fran Tarkenton. Can I just tell you something right now? Can I just tell you something? Up until this point, you had a scratchy voice. Yeah. Something has happened. When you start talking about Kirk Cousins, you became yourself. It was like an elixir. It was like a one of those fairy tales where you just became Scott fully healthy <laughs> you sounded like yourself. You were acting like yourself. Like th- that's the the magical elixir of Kirk Cousins. I like it. I like it. I I've been a Kirk. I've been fine with. Kirk. He's a fine fantasy option. Like he is throwing a touchdown pass in like thirty one consecutive games with Zimmer, and he hasn't had one of those outlier seasons where everything breaks right for him. That's in his range of outcomes. NFL MVP is in his range of outcomes. If the Vikings make the playoffs. It's going to be because of Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, on Caesars, Caesars Sportsbook, code PODFATHER15, PODFATHER15 on Caesars Sportsbook, we've talked about the Jalen Tolbert prop on a loop in terms of long shots to win Rookie of the Year, Jalen Tolbert. Long shots to win the NFL MVP, got to be Kirk Cousins. Get him in the Scott Fishbowl. Get him on Underdog. Underdog has the puppy. It's puppy super flex right now. So any Superflex league, whether it be Scott Fishbowl, Puppy Superflex on Underdog Code Underworld, just go draft Kirk Cousins and thank us later. Yes. Top five season incoming. Go draft Kirk Cousins and thank us later. Yes. Top five season incoming. That's the show. All right. I'm getting you out of here, dude. <laughs> Hour 45 with COVID. I can't believe no, it. No, you're good, man. I mean, the, the chat loves you, dude. They, they appreciate you. We all appreciate you. Excited to do this show, man. I, lo- I love it every year. I, I hope that it becomes some year where I'm like, it's the ten- 10th anniversary of... We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna be Scott. How are you doing? <laughs> Get in my cane. We'll do it. Um, it, it. It flies though. I think it's just it flies by. It does. It does. By then so. we'll be talking about is Ashton Doolin gonna make the Hall of Fame with his last five years of stats? You know. <laughs> That's my bold prediction. Ashton Doolin Hall of Fame. That's my favorite type of prediction because it's like it's. It's unfalsifiable. Like, you'd have to remember that I had it. You'd have to go back to the archives 10 years to, like, hold me accountable. Or you could just bring it up all the time because I don't know if I've told you this. I started playing in 92. It's a, it's in year – this my my first league is still going. Year 31 this year. Shut um, up. And it started as a dynasty league. And uh, I remember very clearly in my 1995 rookie draft standing on a chair and saying, J.J. Stokes would be the next Jerry Rice. You get the you get the jersey right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man.
Do that face again. Do that face. I love that face. Like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Come on. Then I might have leaned with the higher upside in Willis. Probably Jalen Tolbert in that offense for, for several years. We are in agreement that we are disagreeing with our good friend J.J. Zacharyson. I hope it gets back to him. And then when he took Burks right after I took Olave, I was like, oh, shit. Maybe I should have gone Burks. Oh, my God. As soon as people are out, I'm in. As soon as people are in, I'm out. Oh, my God. He can't breathe, Scott. He can't breathe. I might end up going Gage. And it's like, ah! It's like, hey! Maybe George Pickens is the Daniel Day-Lewis of fantasy wide receivers. Oh! Oh, hey, George. Oh, my God. It's like, hey, man, maybe you should put the video camera away for a while. What? What? We had 33,000 people sign up this year.